0: Hey folks, welcome to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. My name is Stephen Craig. I am, as always, the host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. I am uh, very happy to be here with you once again on a Thursday. And um, by the way, total side note, um, if you don't know the opening rift that we always start Truth in a Thousand Words or Less with, it is uh, from Rage Against the Machines, a song called Testify. If you don't know Rage Against the Machine, uh, you really should uh, ch- check him out. Um, I've been teaching my son recently uh, about Tom Morello, the Tom Morello, the guitarist for um, the guitarist for Rage Against the Machine, also the guitarist uh, for Audio Slave, and simply one of the uh, greatest guitarists of the living era. And that that whole riff is his right there. And uh, I actually saw him play with uh, Bruce Springsteen, believe it or not. Um, and it just goes to show you how unbelievably musically diverse and talented uh, Tom Morello is. So thanks to thanks to you, Tom Morello. I I I don't know if you listen to Truth in a Thousand Words or less, but if you do, uh, much appreciation for that. Um, this week we are handling uh, once again the the very delicate and difficult topic of race. And I, as always, I think that race is such a complicated issue in this country, and it's so um, polarizing. That uh, I try to, when handling the subject of race in this in this format, um, I always try to do so in a way that puts a unique spin on um, a very difficult subject. And one of the things uh, I wanted to focus on this week was the notion that we just simply don't even really listen to each other about race anymore. Uh, that we don't listen to another person's perspective and see why uh, they might see The world through the lens that they do and by that what i mean is is certainly um, when it comes to race in the united states uh african americans uh, a lot of times white folks just don't understand why african americans are so pissed off about things that seem really minor to them Um, one of the things i address in this particular episode is about like crayons you know you can see how a white white folks would be like, well, what the fuck? Really? Crayons? Like, we got to worry about crayons. Um, But maybe if, you know, you never found, uh, you could never find crayons that matched your skin pigmentation, it might just bother you a bit. Um, But likewise, and I think that this is equally important, uh, I also think that a lot of uh, people of color don't necessarily see where white people are coming from and where um, maybe some of the, Points about race uh, and some of the having been bombarded for such a, a period of time with being racist, all of which I totally get. Um, but it's also imp- imperative for folks, uh, people of color, to realize that when uh, that that when that continued bombardment of being told uh, white folks being told that they're racist, um, when they might very well be championing the rights of uh, of racial equality um that that too might eventually become uh wearisome and, and um make them question the efficacy of uh of their own racial tolerance and uh and so with no further ado I bring you this week's truth in a thousand words or less uh walking in another's skin <laughs> I'm going to start this week's truth in a thousand words or less with a public service warning. If you are one of the few regular viewers of the weekend morning news show CBS Sunday Morning, make your way as soon as possible to your primary care physician and get your pulse checked, because you might just be dead. Sadly and for no good reason, I found myself awake recently on a snowy Sunday morning and with nothing better to do, ended up watching this snooze fest that has all the dynamic, riveting interests of a warm cup of milk. I swear this geriatric programming must be purposefully designed with the notion of putting aging seniors back to bed when they wake up just a tad bit too early, even for them. But while I have no intention of repeating this tragic misstep anytime soon, I must admit that it afforded me a valuable insight into race in this country. An insight best encapsulated by Atticus Finch in Harper Lee's seminal Classic, To Kill a Mockingbird. You never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. Now, hopefully my son, who is supposed to be reading uh, To Kill a Mockingbird right now, is actually doing so, but for those of you who opted for the Cliff Notes version of this groundbreaking novel, rather than actually completing the reading your 8th grade teacher assigned you, yeah, I'm talking to you all of my former students, you better have read Flippin' To Kill a Mockingbird, and if you haven't, go get yourself a copy and read it right Flippin' now. In any case, let me give you some context here. Atticus is explaining to his daughter, Jem, that in order to truly understand someone else's point of view, we must try to get a sense of their experiences and have some sort of appreciation for how that has played into their worldview. We may not be able to share the resulting perspective that comes from a set of experiences Mm widely divergent from our own, but at least we can make an attempt to understand it. And we might all be well served to remember that valuable lesson when contemplating the current state of race in the United States. The first segment I saw on CBS Sunday Morning focused on Hawa Hassan, a Somali refugee who fled her native country with her family during the tumultuous civil war that erupted there in the early 1990s. Having subsequently lived in New York City for the past several decades, she now operates her own restaurant and has released a cookbook compilation of recipes from her native land entitled In Bibi's Kitchen. At one point in the interview, Hassan made a comment that at first was entirely shocking to me. I would never eat at a restaurant that didn't have people that looked like me working in the kitchen. My immediate thought when I heard Hassan say this was, Clearly this lady has never been to Kansas. Because if she had, she might have something of an inkling that there are, believe it or not, places in the United States that do not have black people working in every single dining establishment. Hassan's experience has defined her racial understanding in that she falsely believes that any time there is not an African American working there, it must be racist. Not that it just might have something more to do with the racial demographics of the region. In New York City, which has defined her cultural experience in America there are always plenty of black people to hire. For her, an all-white kitchen suggests a latent racism. Thus, while her comment initially smacked to me of its own inherent racism, when I stopped to consider the perspective she was bringing to that situation, I could better understand why she might feel inclined to see economic empowerment through that particular lens. Shortly after that came a feature on Crayola's recent unveiling of their Colors of the World Crayon Box. Having heard from a number of customers who could not find color palettes that match their own unique skin tone in any of Crayola's other crayon boxes, Crayola is attempting to address those concerns by introducing a crayon set that allows kids to find colors that match their own skin hues. Admittedly, at first, this sounded astonishingly unnecessary and pandering to me. Seriously, I thought to myself, we need to spend our time worrying about crayon colors? But that's because I could always find my skin pigmentation in a crayon box. I've never had the experience of trying to draw an elementary school self-portrait only to delve into my box of crayons and be entirely thwarted by what I found there. But plenty of black, Latino, and Asian children sure have. As I heard several folks describe the sense of alienation and invalidation they experienced when trying to draw themselves as a child, I could hear how painful that seemingly trivial oversight might make them feel. Being white, I couldn't share their experience, but I could try to understand it a bit better and thus have an unenhanced sense of what has shaped their own racial perspectives. But just as I can never be black but can benefit from trying to understand the black experience, so too can African Americans gain insight by trying to walk in a white person's shoes for a while. Again, don't write me letters. (laughs) Listen to the end for a little bit. Stay with me here, folks. (laughs) <laughs> We're not done. Yes, it can actually be helpful for African Americans to try to walk in a white person's shoes for a while as well. All right, I'm going back to it. The last segment I watched before realizing that I had better things to do with myself on a Sunday morning was an interview with two doctors who had started a company called True Color, which manufactures band aids that match skin pigmentation for people of color. Wait, I again thought to myself, band aids are supposed to match my skin color? My surprise, I think, came mostly from the fact that they don't. I've never in my life thought that Band-Aids were somehow supposed to reflect skin color. And why would we even care? Am I trying to hide my bandage? Someone should tell that to my kid with the neon yellow SpongeBob Band-Aid. For years now, white people have been told how they are racist and tacitly enabling institutional racism, regardless of what they do to join the fight to end it. Quite rightfully, they have been asked to see the issue of race from the perspective of African-Americans and to question the very real challenges and injustices felt by members of the black community. But take a second to see this segment through the eyes of a white person who has not been subject to systemic racism. Unable to truly comprehend racism for themselves, they hear the black community focused on the color of Band-Aids and think, well, if this is where we've gotten to, that blacks are now at the point of complaining about something as trivial as Band-Aids, These must be the last vestiges of racism. Racism must be over. Try to put yourself into the shoes of a white person watching that segment. For them, if we have gotten to the point of concerning ourselves about the racial injustices of Band-Aids, we must have put the more pernicious aspects of race in the rearview mirror. Now that is not to say that that perspective is accurate. Of course it isn't. Months of racial strife over the gross inequities in the criminal justice system have shown us that we still have much bigger issues to address as a nation than some colored band-aids. But that doesn't mean that we aren't better off trying to understand the experiences of white folks feeling time and time again that they are being labeled as racist and how that might lead them to a sense of racism fatigue. It is only when we let go of our own dogmatic beliefs and try to understand the perspective of others that we make inroads on the subject of institutional racism. And it is understanding that is the key to progress. Well, that and sleeping in on Sunday mornings. All right, folks, I'm sure that that will, uh, as always, when I address the subject of racism, uh, it tends to stir the pot a bit. Um, I'm really not trying to, to be honest with you in this one. Um, I'm sure I'll get lots of angry uh, criticism in... Um, In all sorts of formats, social media, and here and everywhere else. Um, But really, what I I think, if you go back and and read or listen to this, uh, let's listen to the podcast again, my point is to try to, for all of us, to try to see the world um, from other people's perspectives, that it might just lead us to a greater sense of understanding. I totally get it for those of you, um, for, folks of, uh, for folks of color who go, I don't need to see it from a white person's perspective. I've had to see it from a white person's perspective. I get it. I still, I understand your reticence to do so. After all, you've been put in the position of having to see the world from that perspective for a long time. But shutting it out doesn't mean that we're going to get any further either sitting there and trying to stick our head in the sand and go, I don't need to hear a white person's perspective. It's not a valid perspective. It's just as invalidating. I'm not suggesting somehow or another that it's equivalent. I'm just saying, right, or that it's not justified. But I am saying that it's not constructive and it doesn't push us down the road further. In the end, I think that's where we want to be. Well, that's this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. Uh, as always, we'll be back with you next Thursday uh, spilling more ridiculous nonsense and uh, and hopefully both entertaining you and uh, potentially opening your minds a little bit. Thank you, everybody. Send this out to everybody that you can. Get um, Spread the good word. Hopefully uh, share it with as many folks as you can. And uh, as I said, we'll be back here next week as always. Until then, peace out, y'all.